Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. As um, we welcome Pastor Ross as he comes to share the Word of God this Thank morning. You. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Dale. Wow, God is so good. Easter time, what a great day of celebration. It really is. And we've got one more treat for you, Transformations. What an amazing group of men and women they are. They've started growing chilies. Wow. And if you want to have a chili tasting, because they've made some sauces and jams, and have it with your Easter egg after morning tea... They want to find out what flavors and strengths of uh, uh, chili that you like before they start mass producing it and selling it in the markets and, and selling it as a product to help raise funds for transformation. So afterwards, while you're out there grabbing your cup, just go and check out and taste a bit of chili as well, hey? <laughs> that will definitely liven up your Easter Sunday morning. <laughs> God is so good. Why don't we pray? Father, you're so good. Lord, our hearts just are filled with overflowing joy and thanksgiving because you have risen from the dead. Lord, you are risen indeed. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence right now touching every child, every adult. Lord, may this message be fresh and new today. Lord, for those that have known you for 50 years today, let it be fresh and alive. Those for this is their first Easter as a Christian, may it just burst with excitement in their hearts. Lord, we love you so much because you are the resurrection and the life. I pray you'd speak to our hearts now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. Wow, it's so good to celebrate together. Lots of our folks are away on holidays or conventions and camps, and, uh, but it's so good to have you here. Lots of holiday makers in Harvey Bay. Went for a drive along the Esplanade yesterday and there was people everywhere. So it's great to celebrate. John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked that same question to you today. Do you believe this? The resurrection is not an event. It is a person. Have a think about it. We, we celebrate the Resurrection Sunday on Easter, one Sunday a year. But resurrection is a person, not an event. That's what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. So we don't just look back and uh, see uh, the empty tomb. We do that because we, as human beings, we need focal points. We need visual reminders. We need uh, dates on a calendar to help remind us and focus our attention. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So it's an event, but it's much more than an event. It's a person. Resurrection is not just what he does. It is who Jesus is. Wow. Just the same as when we want healing, we ask God to heal us. 
But Jesus is the healer. So if you get close enough to Jesus, his healing power often flows over to our lives. If you make room for Jesus in our hearts, guess what? His resurrection life starts to get a hold of us. He starts to resurrect those dreams. He starts to turn around the disappointments. He starts to give purpose to our life again and again and again. Because if you get close to Jesus, you can't help but have his resurrection life surging in our souls and turning things around into a place of blessing. Dead things don't stay dead when the resurrection walks into the room. Hallelujah. When he walked into the room, all of a sudden, everything changed. When resurrection walks into the room of our lives, dead things get shaken and turned around. Things come alive in our hearts. And that's why I love our Jesus, because he's the resurrection and the life. He also said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He declared who he was and who he is, the great I am. And this is one of the great I am's. I am the resurrection and the life. Let's read some scriptures today and look at the dramatic and long-lasting changes that happened in the people that were impacted by the resurrection of Jesus. I want to look at some of the people in that early story when Jesus rose in those first days and weeks. John 20 verse 1 in the message says, Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got in the, to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. This is obviously John because he was writing this story. Stooping to look in, he saw the piece of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. He won the race, but he didn't go in. Peter was a bit slower running, but he was bold when it came to, I'm going to go in. So Peter arrived, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloth lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. And I used to wonder why that was put in there, until one day... I read an article that Jesus was a carpenter and the kerchief was like a sweatband or something they put around their head or, or hung on the side and used to wipe the sweat off. And when a builder or carpenter had finished his job, whether it was building a house or a table, they would take that piece of material that was a sign of their work and they would neatly fold it and put it on the, the top of the table they'd just built or at the house as they walked out they'd complete it so Jesus said my work in this body is finished how awesome is that <laughs> I thought that makes a whole lot of sense I love the scriptures because there's all these treasures in there we just don't see easily so Peter goes in sees that Jesus is saying and P Peter would have known that but he didn't get the whole concept of it then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence and believed. He believed that Jesus had truly risen. No one yet knew from the scriptures that he had to rise from the dead. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament. So let's be a little bit uh, gentle on them. They didn't have what we have. They had the Old Testament prophecies and they had the words of Jesus but as Pastor Doug shared, they were expecting Jesus to set up and be their king and ruler. Now, like, it all fell apart. He's died. And now his body's gone. Has he been stolen? 
has what's happened? They were still getting a handle. Jesus had told them over and over he was going to die and rise again, but they couldn't get it because their minds were blocked off to that reality. The disciples went back home, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And if you look at the word weeping, it's actually a deep cry of grief out of her soul. She was so overcome. Now, Jesus not only died, now someone's stolen his body. She just couldn't couldn't handle the, the grief and pain. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said. I'm not sure who they were, but they took my master. And I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking that he was the gardener. Wow, Jesus was, uh, he was assumed to be all sorts of things. Now he's, she thought he was the gardener. Said, Master, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary, turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me. She obviously fell down and, and clung to his feet or ankles just so overcome. The, the, the grief is now turning to, is this really you? And yes, it is because she recognized his voice. Do you recognize the voice of Jesus when he speaks? Whether it's in pain and grief or whether it's in joy or busyness, she recognized the voice of Jesus. Don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And the Bible seems to indicate in other places that that Jesus presented his blood at the throne of heaven. And that's what is probably indicated here. And then came back to reveal himself to the disciples that afternoon and evening. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples, I saw the master, and she told them everything he said to her. I want to look at briefly today just a few of the people that were impacted in those first day and days and their responses. We've just looked at Mary. Mary was the first one that Jesus revealed himself to. It's interesting, the women showed up first. The guys, they were hiding for their lives because they thought they would get, they'd be the next ones to be crucified because they were the leaders. So whether the women felt a bit safer because they didn't often crucify women in that time, and so maybe they felt a bit safer or maybe their devotion and love for Jesus overcame their fear and they just wanted to be and care for Jesus' body. She was weeping, afraid, then she was overjoyed when she realized it was Jesus and she ran and told the others. You've got to realize Mary Magdalene, she came from Magdala, it was Mary, we don't really know her surname fully, but she came from Magdala, so she was referred to as Mary Magdalene. She was the woman, the Bible says, that had had seven evil spirits cast out of her. She had lived a tormented, broken life. Jesus had set her free from seven evil spirits and that's she had been forgiven much, she loved much. And so she couldn't be away from Jesus. She had to be with him. 
It says some other women had gone with Mary Magdalene to the tomb as well. So we see Mary's life was transformed. We see a little bit later, after Jesus went back to heaven, it says that Mary Magdalene was one of the ones with the disciples that was praying in the upper room when the Holy Spirit got poured out. She kept following Jesus and his words, and she was filled with the Spirit and was probably one of the key people in the early church. We then go to the afternoon. So this happened first thing in the morning. Afternoon, there's two, two disciples on their road to Emmaus. It was about a 12-kilometer walk they were on. They're walking along and they're trying to work it out. This is Clopas and one other guy. It wasn't the, one of the original 12 disciples, but he obviously a, one of the, uh, might have been one of the 72 that Jesus had sent out. So him and another guy, we don't get his name, they're just out walking, trying to work out, discussing what happened to Jesus. He died, we thought he was going to be our ruler. Next minute, Jesus starts walking with them. Jesus is out for an afternoon stroll. He's just risen from the dead. He reveals himself to two of the disciples, not the key 11 that were left because Judas had hung himself. And they're talking away and, and he jumps in on the conversation. It was just an amazing, amazing story. And uh, it says there in John... No, so I, I haven't written it down here. It's a whole big passage in, in uh, Luke and John. But what happened was Jesus is talking and said, what are you so upset about? And they said, haven't you heard what's happened? I love Jesus. He just uh, kept his cool and didn't reveal himself. They walked for kilometers. It could have gone on for several hours. And it says he started to open the scripture and tell them all of what really was going on. And they still didn't recognize because their minds were blinded to the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. So for kilometers, he explains all the scriptures about Jesus was going to rise from the dead. And it says they urged him to come and have a meal because they'd just done a big long hike. And as he's eating with them, it says, as he prayed blessing over the food, they must have recognized his voice or the way that he prayed or something happened. It says their eyes were opened and suddenly they realized it was Jesus. And as soon as they did, he disappeared from them. Jesus is amazing. He just sort of arrived and disappeared. And, and I, I just think, wow, what an amazing God. And it says, our hearts burn within us as Jesus opened the scriptures to them. I wonder if the word of God does that to you. When you read the Bible, does your heart sometimes just get so on fire because you start to see stuff you've never seen before or the truth comes pounding from your head into your spirit and you realize the resurrection life is in the room with you as you're reading the scriptures the healer is there with you by his spirit wow lord let our hearts burn within us as we read the word of god and and journal and do our devotions their hearts were moved the other thought i have there if they hadn't insisted on jesus coming and having a meal with them they may not have recognized him. The power of hospitality and having someone over for a cup or a meal is incredible. They insisted, come and have a meal with us. Jesus did. And that's when they revealed how many amazing blessings come when you take time to invite someone to your place for a cup or a meal or you meet down the beach or at, for a coffee somewhere. Thirdly, that night, so it's risen from the dead in the morning, he reveals himself to Mary Magdalene. He reveals himself to the two disciples. Then that night, so what happens is those two guys go and find the others. And as they're there telling him, say, you won't believe what happened. 
as they're in the middle of telling them, Jesus appears in the room. John 20, verse 19 in the Amplified. So when it was evening on that same day, the first day of the week, though the disciples were meeting behind barred doors for fear of the Jews, so they had padlocks on and they had their deadlocks on because they were scared that they were going to get arrested and crucified. Jesus came and stood among them. Doors are still locked, so he just went straight through the wall because you remember he's got a resurrected body now, so he can, he's beyond time and space as we understand it fully, so he just arrived into the room. Peace be to you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. Yes, they were just celebrating. And, and when it says great joy, they were probably jumping up and down and clapping and cheering and hugging, and they were just out there. You think we have fun in church. These got great. When the Bible says great joy, it means incredible celebration. Very, very powerful word. Us reserved Aussies, we don't do great joy very often. But they, they did great joy and celebration. And then, then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you as my representatives. Wow. So in the middle of celebration, Jesus sort of brought him back to reality and says, Wow, God sent me to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Now I'm going to send you to share this good news with everyone that you can. The Great Commission is now happening. And then he said, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, you've got to realize Jesus is the Son of God. And one of the words for spirit is ruah, which means breath. So Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit and it impacted their souls. And it says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now this verse used to puzzle me, but here it is. If you forgive the sins of anyone, they are forgiven because of their faith. It not means that you've got power as some magical power to forgive sins. But if you speak the word of God and forgive them, express the gospel's forgiveness, then by their faith, they will be forgiven. If you retain the sins of anyone, they are retained and remain unforgiven because of their unbelief. We haven't got time to unpack that, but it's a powerful, powerful truth that how we reach out and love and accept or judge and condemn has a powerful effect on people's lives. I think we need to unpack that some more one day to see what was Jesus really saying. Wow. Receive the Holy Spirit. We know a few weeks later, the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out in the Acts chapter 2 and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The power of God came and they were transformed with gifts and prophetic words and, and anointing and signs and wonders and, and freedom to love and give and that was the birthing of the church. But Jesus breathed on them here and this was the preparation and the beginning they received it in spirit and then the manifestation happened a few weeks later wow remember jesus it's really important the words that people say just before they die and if you do happen to rise from the dead it's really important to listen to what they say <laughs> even more so wow He invited them to touch him, to show that he had a resurrection body and wasn't a ghost or spirit only. Because in the, that time, the Jewish culture, 
they believed that if someone died for up to three days, their spirit or being would, would hang around and then would go to eternity, wherever it was. So they, some of them were thinking, well, it's the third day, maybe this is just a ghost or some apparition. So Jesus said, come and touch my body, see the nail prints and the, the spear in my side, the hole, and come and touch me. And then he ate with them. Ghosts don't eat. No matter what you've seen in Hollywood, they don't eat. (laughs) There's a little mystery in here. Because the second time he appeared, he actually ate with them and and had some fish. Then it said he disappeared through the wall again. My question is, what happened to the fish that he ate? Did it go through the wall as well? (laughs) I just don't quite understand that one. There's a few mysteries when it comes to resurrection bodies and life that one day we'll find out. (laughs) These guys were impacted because it says in Acts, they went around preaching everywhere the resurrection life because they were transformed. Acts 2.24, Peter's up and says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Remember, he's the resurrection of the life, so death could not hold him down. And you've got to know that, that when death tries to creep over our lives in any way, spiritually, emotionally, or physically, that the resurrection life of Jesus is with us and in us. Acts 3.15, Peter said, you killed the author of life. I think that's one of the amazing statements of Scripture. In other words, Jesus allowed himself to die on the cross. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Wow. Let's have a look at two more characters. Thomas. I love Thomas. John 20 verse 24 says, But Thomas, one of the twelve disciples who was called Didymus, the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. He wasn't in that room that first night. Most or all of the other disciples were, but Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples kept telling him, We've seen the Lord. For the next week, we've seen the Lord. He says, oh, come on, it can't be true. That's why he's called Doubting Thomas. He just couldn't get it. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and put my finger into the nail prints and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Sounds like a few Aussies I know. If I can't... If I can't see that miracle, if I can't see God appear to me, then I'm not going to believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again inside the house and Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the doors, though the doors had been barred, and stood among them and said, peace to you. So for the second time, he just walked straight through the wall. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but stop doubting and believe. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, do you now believe? Blessed, happy, spiritually secure and favoured by God, are they who did not see me and yet believed in me. 
Now, we haven't had the privilege of being there on that day and physically seeing Jesus. But the Holy Spirit has come to reveal Christ to us. The Word of God reveals Christ to us. His presence comes and reveals Christ to us. Other people talk about Jesus and we feel His grace as they share their testimony and story. We look at creation, it declares the glory of God. And so we don't have to see Him physically because our spiritual eyes are open to see by faith and experience with all of the confirmations and revelations of God. He says, wow, blessed are those who have not seen with their physical eyes, but they've experienced Jesus and they are transformed. I love Thomas. He was a doubter. Couldn't quite get his head around it. Maybe he's a real thinker and reasoner and just, this just didn't compute. But Thomas, when he chose to believe, you know what happened to Thomas? A few years later, he jumped on a boat and traveled to India. It's in the Bible. He actually landed in southern India and preached the gospel for 20 years. I've been to India. I've seen the place where he was killed in 70 AD, and they've got a church on the hill where he was killed out on the edge of Chennai. Do you know now in those bottom three states of India, 10% of the population are Christians, which is tens of millions of people. And there's churches and Christians today that can trace their lineage back to their descendants who got saved under Thomas's ministry. All the other states of India have only a very minimal percentage of Christians, but in the southern three states where Thomas went 2,000 years ago, there are tens of millions of Christians. Chennai, in a Hindu country, has the tenth largest group of Christians in any city in the world. In the south of India, because one doubting Thomas really met Jesus and he changed his life. So you might come from a doubting background or a reasoning background thinking, I don't really get my head around it. Hey, when Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, he will change you from a doubter to someone who is powerfully transformed for your rest of your life. I love Thomas. I love Thomas. So don't beat yourself up and say, oh, I just, I'm, I'm a bit slow getting some of this spiritual stuff. Hey, doesn't matter if you're slow, the key is that you get it. The key is you get it. Some people get it fast and they lose it fast. Others get it fast and they go forever. So it doesn't matter how you get it. It's whether you finish well, not whether you start well. Let's look briefly at Peter. And Pastor Doug's already shared on this, so I won't go through it all. But I, I do want to just pull out a couple more points about Peter. John 21 says, Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter said to them. They said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got in the boat. But that night they caught nothing early in the morning. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net in the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to land, hand the net in because of the large number of fish. You don't talk to grumpy fishermen who fished all night and caught nothing. That's not a really good way to make friends. They're not in a good mood. And the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, <coughs> he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. Good old Peter. He lets the other guys do all the work. He's just out to... T- 
how to connect with Jesus. I've met a few Christians like that too. They want all the highlights and someone else does all the hard work. God bless the volunteers and servants who are just faithfully doing it all. For they were not far from shore, only about 100 metres. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish and some bread. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have just caught. I wonder where Jesus caught his fish. He already had fish cooking. Hmm. Good question, eh? So Simon Peter climbed back to the boat, dragged the net ashore. He did go and help him at the end. It was full of large fish, 153. God counts everything. It's really important to count. And uh, sometimes in staff, we use the statement, we care to count because we count to care. Jesus counted how many fish. 153 of them in the middle of a revelation of Peter. But even with so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to come and have breakfast. None of the disciples asked him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. You've got to realize, where did Peter deny Jesus? Around a fire. I preached a message years ago between the two fires what happened between the fire of denial and the fire of restoration wow a whole lot they say the sense of smell is one of the strongest of the five senses if you smell something a perfume or a something it will remind you sometimes quicker than any other of the five senses Peter smells the charcoal fire burning and all of a sudden it all comes rushing back. He realizes he denied the Lord three times. Jesus three times asked him, do you love me? It's interesting you have a look at that. The first time Jesus said, do you love me? The word for love is agape. In other words, full, unconditional surrender, whole-hearted spirit love. Peter replied... You know I love you, but he didn't use the word agape because he couldn't say it. He said, I filio you, which is like I love you as a friend or an important person in my life. So Jesus asked him again, do you agape me? Again, Peter couldn't say it. So he said, I filio you. I love you as a friend and someone really important in my life. The third time Jesus asked, do you love me? Jesus changed his word. And instead of saying agape, he said, Peter, do you filio me? Jesus came to connect where Peter was. I thought, wow, he doesn't set an impossible bar that we can't reach. He comes to where you and I are today and in our daily lives. And he says, I'll come to you and then I'll help lift you. And Peter said, yes. I filio you. And Jesus was prepared to take that and take him on where obviously he grew into that agape love with a revelation because then he preached and led the church and was a great leader, preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. He certainly grew to understand what agape love, full-hearted surrender from spirit, soul and body. But he couldn't do it that day, so Jesus came to where he was. And then took him on. I thought, how awesome is our Jesus? 
He doesn't condemn us when we're having a season where we're still trying to work it out, whether we're a doubting Thomas saying, I believe it in my head, but I just, I don't know how to respond to that. Come on down, worship team. But, and then he said to Peter, go and feed, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Gave him a purpose for life. Sheep represent the people in the household of God in the Bible. Goats represent those that have got a whole lot of butts in their life and not responding well. Sheep are easily led. Goats are always butting up against things and trying to prove they're better. And speaks to me that when Jesus calls us, he calls us to go and share what we have and feed sheep and, and care for people, love people with the agape love he gives us, even though we might be on a journey of still discovering how powerful that is. My sheep hear my voice. I'm the good shepherd. So today on Resurrection Sunday, that's a brief look at some of the people on those first days that were transformed. And maybe you can identify with one or two of those characters today. And I just feel the Holy Spirit drawing us right now. Why don't we stand in His presence? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how He told you. I love John 3.3. Nicodemus came to Jesus and it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified, he cannot ever see or experience the kingdom of God. That's a spiritual transaction. In Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am the living one, I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and of Hades. Let's just close our eyes for a moment and maybe you identify with one of those people Maybe you identify with what they were when they first met Jesus after he rose from the dead. Or you identify with, with Thomas who went on to share the gospel in India. Peter who became a great leader because that's what Jesus called him when he first saw him. You'll be a rock on which I'll build my church. But he had a rocky pathway to get there. Or Mary that was full of grief and loss but then she met this amazing Jesus who healed the pain of her grief and gave her hope and she was full of the spirit and in the early church maybe you're some of the disciples that really want to see but just can't see yet open my eyes to see I just want to pray today that our eyes will be open to see and experience Jesus I feel his love today some of you saying I, I would really like to have that deep love of agape that full surrender but I'm still Sorting that out, that's okay. Jesus will come and meet you where you are and take you on the journey if you ask him. Maybe you've once had that agape love, but stuff's happened and sin has come and offenses and, and business of life and you're just thinking, you stand here on this resurrection Sunday and think, wow, I'm not quite where I used to be or could be or should be, but I feel Jesus coming right now, walking down this aisle and tapping you on the shoulder and say, I love you looking in the eyes and say, I will come and I'll take you to be where I want you to be and I'm going to help you to get there. Oh, there's no judgment or condemnation. There's incredible grace and truth just drawing you.
but you will need to let go of a few things. The fishing nets. You will need to let go of a few of those other things of grief and pain and your own way. You're willing to let them go. I will take you on this journey as a follower of me. Oh, Jesus. Just take a moment to to thank him for this amazing Jesus that's alive today. Reach your hands out toward him or up to heaven or just out in front of you just saying, Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. I just feel this amazing grace of Jesus. I, I just see a lifting of condemnation, of shame, of grief, of fear. And I just see the love of Jesus just wrapping around people's soul. He's saying, come and touch me. Come and experience me. Come and feel my love again. Come and, come and receive that life that will just put some of the things in order that just aren't quite right yet. Well, come and receive afresh His resurrection life because we are carriers of His presence. And Jesus is the resurrection and life. He is the healer. So wherever he goes, things happen. And wherever you go with him inside, lives are set free. Oh, Lord, I just pray right now your grace to fill every heart. Your amazing love to fill every soul. Oh, God, refresh and restore right now. Right now in Jesus' name. The Bible says that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he shall quicken, make alive your physical body. Maybe you're here today and there's physical pain or conditions or limitations on you or a close family member and you say, Jesus, I need your resurrection life today. If that's you, reach up to heaven right now. I want to pray for God's healing grace over people's minds, over their bodies. God, I just pray right now that resurrection life will just flow into every heart in Jesus' name. Lord, bring healing and and peace and hope into people's souls. And Lord, I just thank you for your resurrection life. Oh, I feel his amazing presence. He's just connecting with some There's some people here, God's saying, I want you to ask. To ask with bold faith, saying, Lord, I just want to see you and know you. Open my eyes that I may see. Open my heart that I may respond. Open my ears that I may hear. And I open my hands that I can receive and then give. Oh, he's put some treasures in our lives. He's just drawing us to run after him. Just before we sing this song and finish our service, maybe you're here today and you've never felt this amazing love. You can feel something happening in your soul right now. There's love and hope. There's a healing coming. I can feel it happening. Some people's souls are getting lighter. There's burdens being taken off because you can leave him at the foot of the cross. Because he lives, I can live also. Maybe you've never asked this amazing Jesus into your life. Maybe you need to come back to him and say, God, I want to recommit my life to you. I'd like to pray a prayer with you today. If you've never opened your heart to Jesus or you need to clearly reaffirm your faith, if that's you, I'd invite you right now. Just lift a hand and say, please pray for me, Pastor Ross. I want to get right with God or I want to come back to Him. Who's that today? You've, you need to do that right now on Resurrection Sunday. Just lift it up on high and say, that's me. I need to open my life to Jesus or I need to come back to Him right now. I just feel the Spirit of God tugging at hearts right now. God bless you. God bless you. Who else today is saying, that's me. I I'm, I'm just want to get right with Jesus. I can feel His love. Yeah, God bless you, sir. Who else today? I feel amazing tug of the Spirit of God just 
pulling at people's hearts and drawing us. There's some believers here and you know you've lived below what God has called you to live. This is not judgment or condemnation. It's just being truthful. You know that stuff has caused you to pull back instead of step forward. And today I feel in calling your heart. You say, well, I'm going to have to make some choices. Jesus made some amazing choices for us. And he will give you the grace and courage to make the choices you need so that he can be number one again in your life. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.